we're continuing in our series in 1 Corinthians called Becoming Love. And we've been going through this series now. This is now our 27th week. <laughs> what are you laughing at? 27 weeks in 1 Corinthians. That's quite good, isn't it? And this, we're, we're, in chapter, we're in chapter 13. And uh, we want to take God's Word seriously, take the Bible seriously. And there's a lot in here. And as you know, I hope, well, if you're not, I hope you know that there's a blog on our website. It goes out in the church news as well that you can, it just recovers some of this stuff in the week to help us as a church to get into this teaching. So 1 Corinthians 13, let me read to you verses 4 to 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy It does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude or dishonor, maybe another translation there, not rude. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres, love never fails. And I'm going to cover just this brief statement this morning, love is not rude and is not self-seeking. These two things very much go together. If we are selfish, if we are focused on our own needs, if we're caught up in our own minds all the time, about all of our, totally caught up with ourselves, we won't, we will be blinkered to other people around us, and we won't be, and the word is considerate. That's a good word, and it's come out a few times this morning, Jen mentioned it in, in, about giving, but in our prayer meeting, Susie mentioned the word considerate, being considerate of others. And these things aren't easy to work out entirely. It's not like Jesus wasn't challenging. He was forthright, and he was really, really quite challenging at times. Being being, uh, considerate doesn't mean to say that you are considerate in your challenge. We're thoughtful and careful about how we live. Let me pray. Lord, I pray for us this morning as we need to change. We need your help. We Lord, I know I, I am selfish and I'm inconsiderate a lot of the time. And I pray for each of us, Lord, this morning. You would help us to, to grow more like you, Lord Jesus. Help us to change. Holy Spirit, we need you. Would you teach us? Would you change us? Lord, we, we can't be self-controlled into this. We need your help. We need you to fundamentally change our hearts, fundamentally change our natural reactions, fundamentally change our responses. We need your help, Lord. Would you come and change us? In Jesus' name, amen. And it is that um, we need God to change us. We can can be self-controlled and disciplined, but in the end, we we need God to change us and our responses, our natural reactions. And our thought, God can actually change us because he is God. And he does it through his word. And uh, that's why we're teaching on his word. I was watching, and you may say, why was I watching this? But I like this kind of thing. I was watching Pinocchio the other day. You like that, Ben, don't you? Do you like Pinocchio? Out of 10. I mean, what, what is it? 10 out of 10. Ben also, Ben likes, you like Disney films, don't you? 
Is it up there? Would it be one of the best ones, do you think? It'd be your top ten. Okay, what would, you, what would be your number one? Fantasia. Okay, okay. Have a little conversation there, if you don't mind, over here. Pinocchio, I recommend it. I mean, you can watch that film and feel really... It's a great... It's a good film. Adults, children, fantastic. Uh, I, like, I like the drawing. I like the animation. I like to look at the, the amazing skill involved. And um, one of the things that God gives to each of us, and we've been looking at this, and this is the context of love, is gifts. And uh, some people are skilled in these, in these arenas of art, the arts, aren't they? And you will be skilled in different ways. And we've all got gifts that God wants to use, but we must do it in love. We must use our gifts lovingly for the good of others. They can be used selfishly, but they, we, we have to put them to use. But, but one of the things I, I notice as it comes to the end, it's a very moral film. Uh, at the end... Well, what happens is, is what's his name? Um, Geppetto, this, the, the toy maker, wishes that the puppet that he's made would become a real boy. And the, the blue fairy comes and brings Pinocchio to life and, and says this, which is interesting. If you are brave, truthful, and unselfish, which is what we're looking at this morning... If you are unselfish, then you will become a real boy. It's quite a lot of weight to put on a kid, isn't it? But anyway, uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you are good, basically, then you'll become a real boy. And he's not good, is he? He, he goes off the, off the tracks. Um, not really. I mean, he gets led astray by a fox and all sorts of things. I mean, I think, feel sorry for the poor boy. I'm not sure he was that. He was just kind of led off the tracks understandably, I think. But anyway, he ends up with big ears like a, like a, a, a um, donkey. And he then ends up, in a gospel fashion, laying his life down to save his father. And in so doing, he is raised to life, and the blue fairy says, because you have been unselfish... You can now be, you can now have your, your goal. And then he is turned into a real boy and the father wakes up and there he is. And Pinocchio says, I'm a real boy now, you see. And what I'm trying to say from this is that um, it's a good film. That's all, that's all I'm trying to say, really. <laughs> Go away and watch it. You might learn something. Now, what I'm trying to say is that you don't become a real Christian by being unselfish. You are a real Christian by being born again of the Holy Spirit. You are saved by grace. By putting your faith in Jesus, your sins are forgiven and you become a child of God with the Holy Spirit living in you. And through that real reality, you are a real Christian. Through that reality, you will live unselfishly. But it doesn't mean to say it's automatic. You know, you will, your conscience will become sharper, of course. You will want to. You'll feel it more. You'll, you'll embrace the idea, for example, which is surprisingly novel nowadays, that we shouldn't live selfishly. We should live unselfishly. We should be looking out for the needs and the goods of others. But that comes out of becoming a Christian, not to make you a Christian. And in that era, 
of the nine, was it 1939, was it? 40, oh, four, sorry, then. In 1940, that idea, that cr- the kind of idea that if you are good, you're a Christian, um, it's, not, it's, it's the wrong way round. You can't, you're not good. You're not, we're not good. We're sinners. And we become a Christian by saying, help me, Lord. I need your help. Save me. And he makes us. We're born again. And we then, work, we then need to obviously read God's word and ask for him to keep making us more unselfish and brave and the other things. So I, I know myself, and I know that I am often selfish, rude, and selfish. And if you know me, you know that I am rude and selfish, and you know probably more than I do, because you, you're on, often we're blinkered to our own self, aren't we? And often people outside can see us as we actually are. That's why we need each other friends. That's why we need the community. And that's why we need to work towards, and this is really hard, we need to work towards honesty with, with each other. Particularly, we need some close friends who can help us out and tell us where we're blinkered in this regard. Because you need help and I need help. We don't want to go through life hurting others and um, being selfish and rude. You are selfish and rude. We, are, we all are. It's part of our fallen nature. It's part of who we are as human beings. We're fallen. All of us. Every single one of us is the same in this regard. We need forgiveness for for, for our sins. And Jesus died on the cross to forgive you your sins. If you receive him as Lord and Savior, your sins are removed. All your sins Every single one of them. But we also need the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to help us to move towards this. We need to walk with him each day to grow in this. We need to pray for it. Lord, help me to be less selfish. Help me to be less rude. Help me to use my words considerately. Help me to live considerately. And my kind of idea today for this is love seeks the best for others. Just turn to your neighbor and say, love seeks the best for others. Yeah. Now, as soon as you, if you're, if you're a thinker, you're, you're immediately thinking, okay, what does, what's, what's meant by the best? And, and, and you, the, the, the kind of, the details are where the troubles are, right? It's working these things out in detail. It's not easy. But that's the kind of tag statement, love seeks the best for others. Selfishness, rudeness seeks the best for ourselves. We're inconsiderate. We're seeking the best for ourselves. So we're rude with our words. We're rude with our dress. We're rude with our persona. We're rude with our statements online. We're rude. We're reactive. We're not considerate. But love seeks the best for others. So think about this word, rude. Love is not rude. Obviously, that's a negative Positively is love is considerate. You could put it that way around, isn't it? But it's interesting, Paul doesn't put it considerately. God puts it negatively. Because we need to know, rudeness, we can be rude. We can, we can lash out. We can, you know, our, 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 our natural reactions, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to change. 
the, the King James Version says, doth, doth not behave itself unseemly. Unseemly is a good word, isn't it? When was the last time you used the word unseemly? When was the last time you heard that word on Netflix? Oh, you're so unseemly. Can't imagine it, can you? No, of course you can't. Unseemly. Rude. To speak. To act. To behave. Shamefully. Often sexually. Not just sexually, but that's a big part of it. Innuendos. Coarse jokes. Rude jokes. Modern programs are filled with it. You, you, you can't watch a program, can you? You think, oh, this is going to be safe. And they're swearing within the first sentence, aren't they? Even, even the scripts for children are scripted to, children are scripted to swear in these programs. I think it's atrocious. And it's totally unnecessary to the enjoyment of these things. I don't know what it's about. I have no idea what they're trying to do. Corrupt, corrupt language. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the point is. But we as Christians seek to be, not to, to be uh, considerate and not, not rude. Our screens give us the message, don't they? Our screens give us the message that sex is free, it's easy, easily available in 10 minutes or so of meeting someone. Right? Our culture teaches that all forms of sex are equally good. And what I've come to the conclusion is, and I, you know, I meet different people, I talk with lots of different people, I, 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 and if you look at history, you will see that the human humankind are able to believe anything and believe at that time that they are correct in believing it. Don't think we are a different species to those in the first, second, third, fourth century. We're a product of our culture. We're a product of the arts around us and the culture around us, and we think what we believe is obviously common sense and obviously true. But you, you, what we find is that we can believe anything, anything about ourselves, about the world, about anything, about religion, and it's about the influences on us. That's why it's so important, my friends, that we give good time to being with brothers and sisters, hearing God's teaching, being together and encouraging each other. Not being rude with each other, but encouraging each other in what is best. It's been, we live in a culture that promotes rudeness, I believe. You can disagree with me. And selfishness. Whilst at the same time trying to challenge rudeness and selfishness. Wouldn't it be good? You see, wouldn't it solve many problems if, 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 if we were just not rude and not selfish? That, is, that would cl clearly solve lots of issues, wouldn't it? Right? And this whole love thing, right? Clearly it would solve lots of problems. And, but, for example, TFL have launched this new campaign to stop sexual harassment, rightly so. Exposing yourself, obviously. Cyber flashing. Pressing and rubbing against each other. Touching and staring intrusively. Staring intrusively is an offence. Um, and lots of other things as well. 
What I'm trying to say is that we've got this idea. We all know that rudeness and self-seeking is wrong, whilst we're in a culture that also has to promote it through our entertainment and through the way we, we go on. And Christians of all people, because we're born again of the Holy Spirit and we represent Jesus Christ, should be not, we should be considerate in the way we are. In every setting, in every situation, at work, on the trains, in the bus, school, wherever we are, in our marriages, we are not rude and self-seeking because the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. God lives in us. Jesus lives in us. We represent Jesus to the world around us. And Jesus is not rude. And Jesus laid down his life. He's not self-seeking in that sense. He laid down his life for us to save us. And that's our way of going on. Love is not self-seeking. It's seeking the best for others. Self-seeking is to search for, to desire, to require, to demand our will. The ESV version of the Bible says, does not, love does not insist on its way. Does not insist on its way. And I was with some friends yesterday at the running club and we were talking afterwards. And um, These are not people in, 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 of faith at all. And we were talking about how there's so much conflict in the world and how we need to understand that tolerance means that we, we do have to put up with each other with different views. And that all sounds well and good, doesn't it? Until you get into the specifics. But we, we do need to put up with each other. We need to be patient with each other. We need to be loving to each other. And Christians of all people, we need to be patient with the world around us that doesn't agree with us. We need to be tolerant and kind to people whilst not agreeing with things. And, and, the, and that's the way the culture needs to be. Otherwise, there'll be all sorts of mayhem, won't there? Love does not insist on its way. We are not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. Seeking the best for others is to be like God. In Philippians 2, we, we, you might want to just turn to Philippians 2 in your Bible, and, and there's a great chapter there about Jesus Christ. And he was not self-seeking. He was not rude. He's our ultimate example of how to live, isn't he? So we see here in Philippians 2, 3 to 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Turn to your neighbour and say, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Yeah, you, t you tell them, honestly. But it's, we, we are all prone to it, okay? But we have to do nothing. That's quite a strong word, isn't it? Do nothing. Not do some things, you know, 50-50. Nothing. That's the Christian way. No, I mean, I know, I, know, I know it's not my way entirely. I know I need forgiveness. And I need to change. I'm selfish. But this is, this is God's word confronts us and says, Oh, Matt, you're not as righteous as you thought you are, are you? You need forgiveness. You need to pray. You need help. You need help. You need forgiveness. You need to change. We all do. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, vanity, pride, 
puffing yourself up. Do nothing. Don't go for that job so you can puff yourself up. Go for it if prayerfully you've been considerate. Don't go for that crazy car for vanity and vainglory. Spend your money considerately, thoughtfully and lovingly. You see, nothing but everything prayerfully and considerately and in love. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests. Or the ESV says this, not only looking to your own interests. Because you do have to look to your own interests to some degree. You have to breathe. You have to drink. You have to eat. You have to look after yourself. The Bible's not silly. You need to look after yourself, but, we, but, but the Bible is real, right? He know, the Bible, God knows that we are prone to selfishness. So not only looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. As a church, as individuals, as families, we're to serve the needs of others. We were just talking earlier about... Uh, People volunteering to collect food for serendipity. That's serving the needs of others. It's inconvenient for every single one of them that's currently doing it. It will be inconvenient for you. I'm sure there's a show that you want to watch that's very important. I'm sure there's something... I know, I know you've got genuine reasons, I'm sure. But do consider it. Why could you give an hour or two to go and deliver food, collect food, to consider other people's needs? And consider the team as well. I need more people on the team so that it's not all burdened on, the, on a few people. This church should not have everything burdened on a few people. It should be everybody bearing their load involved. You, should, you, you, know, you, you need to get on a serving team. You need to get involved. You need to put chairs out, put lights on. You need to hoover. And this is, I mean, I'm talking about the church here. In, you know, this church runs on your giving. It runs on your gifts. It runs on the com- we're a community project, aren't we? We're together on this. So you need to play your part and not be selfish and inconsiderate. Not just come to church, enjoy the worship, listen to, uh, to the message and go home and then live your life in the week. Uh, you need to be in the community. That's the vi- vision of the Christian life, isn't it? They devoted themselves to one another. They devoted themselves to one another. That's the vision of the church. It's not, a, it's not a service or a concert. It's a community that uses its gifts to serve each other. That's love, isn't it? And how do we know we're loving? Because we're actually inconveniencing ourselves. We're actually sacrificing time. We're actually, we're actually in, you know, it's hard on us. We're sacrificing things. So seeking the best for others is the attitude of Christ here. We've seen it here not seeking the interests of others. It goes on in Philippians 2.5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset. Have the same framework of thinking. And the framework of thinking of Christians is to live like Jesus Christ. Now, how did Jesus Christ live? He served his Father. He came from heaven to earth. He inconvenienced himself by leaving the best place, heaven. He came to this earth with its suffering. He was rejected and prepared to be rejected. He didn't lash out. He wasn't angry unnecessarily. He laid down his life ultimately, not for the worthy, but for sinners. This is Jesus Christ and this is radical love. We Radical love, agape love, as we've been talking about, is not about feelings or not about the worth of the person. It's about giving your life for 
the good of others, particularly those who don't deserve it, and particularly if you don't feel like it. Love is not about how you feel. Love is about what you do. And it's laying your life down for others. And often the, often the culture around us says your love is, about, love is about how you feel and you do what you feel. The Christian approach is you do what is right in accordance with the image of Jesus Christ. And what then happens is as you love people, you then begin to feel for them. Not the other way around. So, Jesus is our model, like Jesus Christ. Successful celebrities are not our model. Business leaders are not our model. Characters on the screen are not our model. Social media influencers are not our model. I'm not to say they're all wicked and horrible. I'm saying our model for, for, for service and love is Jesus Christ. Because, my friends, if we, if we allow our, what we give our minds to affects our hearts, if we give our minds to self-centered, selfish, selfish ambition, vain, conceited uh, entertainment, we will become more and more and more like the things we idolize. And if we focus on Jesus Christ, we are changed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And it's those people who are most selfless who have been closest to Jesus. Amen? Closer you get to him, the more you get changed into being like him. What we're doing on our phones, what we're doing, what we're doing with our time, what we're doing with our minds, what we're doing with our free moments, what are we doing when our mind wanders, what are we doing with ourselves, what are we using our faculties for, what are we, what are we focusing on? What's the, what's the values of the things we're focusing on? What's it promoting in us? What does it inspire us to? Does it inspire us to rudeness and self-seeking? Does it inspire us to consideration and selflessness? He served, Jesus served sacrificially, carries on in Philippians 2, 6-8, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That could be a series in itself. That could be a whole message in itself. But you see here, Jesus is God, yet he died for us. He served his Father and he served us. Jesus says to his disciples about the great, the great people of this world, lord it over and like to take the best place and like to be seen in high position. But he says, I'm amongst you as one who serves. Remember how he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, now I have done this. You should do likewise for one another. How can we wash one another's feet, friends? How can we be considerate? How can we wash each other's feet in with our words, with our persona, with our dress, with the way we present ourselves, with our actions, with our money, with everything that we have, how can we wash each other's feet? That is the Christ-like image that we want to aspire to. 
Let's think of a few applications as we come to an end. Practical ways of seeking the best for others. Using our gifts. I've said it already. And this is the context of love. 1 Corinthians 13, it's talking about how you can use your gifts. Now, you can use your gifts rudely and self-centeredly. So if you've got, if you can pray out, we can pray out loud. And Jesus used this example in, in the Gospels. He talked about people who pray out loud, for example. You can pray out loud for your own glory. You can pray out loud to show that you know about the Bible and show how eloquent you are and show how superior you are. Or you can pray out loud considerately. You're considering the people around you. We've got limited time, so we don't go on for you know, the whole time. We've got new people in the room, so maybe we want to keep it relatively simple so people can feel that they could do that. And I don't get this right all the time. You know, of course, I'm in the same boat as you, but let's be considerate in our use of gifts. If we pray out loud, if we prophesy, if we teach, in everything, in all gifts, practical gifts, everything we do, let's be considerate, using our gifts. Paul says this, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to you for others, for their good. And, let, and let's be clear of that. The, I'm not going to say it doesn't say it at all, but the, the emphasis massively on gifts of the Holy Spirit is not your enjoyment. It's the good of others. I'm not saying there isn't any enjoyment in there. There must be some enjoyment in there. But I want to say to you that the overwhelming, if you're going to bring something on the stage, if you're going to, whatever you do, practically as well, cooking food, anything like that, it's for the good of others. Of course, we enjoy doing it as well. Um, okay, use our gifts. How can you use your gifts to serve others in the church? Now, you can, you can obviously use them in other places, but the context of 1 Corinthians is in the local church. In the local church. So, s- seek the best for others in your speech and listening. I've been alluding to it, haven't I? Using words to build up, not tear down. In Ephesians 4, we read, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for... Anybody know? Building others up. That's it. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, only what is helpful for... Building others up. According to their needs according to their needs. There's also that, isn't there? You can be right, but wrong, can't you? According to their needs. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. You can be right, but wrong. So consider it. And we can try to get it right and get it wrong, can't we? So we need to say sorry, stuff like that. That's our speech as well. It's not like we're going to get it right all the time, even if we consider it. But we must try, prayerfully, to be considerate with our speech, to the benefit of others, Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Okay, I don't know how old Timothy was, but he was old enough to lead a church. We don't know how old he was, so let me just say to the young people in this room, hands up if you're a young person. Okay, Graham's got his hand up, good, yeah? 
Good, Bridget, good. Yeah, you're, you're young enough. Yeah, good. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, life, love, faith, and purity. Speech. So my friends, however young you are, the youth are in this morning, set an example. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. In other words, you re- if you are young, you represent the young. So you want to raise the standard of the young. You want people to be saying, you know what, the young people in this church, man, they're amazing. And you are amazing. Your worship is exemplary. Your joy is exemplary. The, the way you care for each other is exemplary. You're here this morning, which is wonderful. Tons of young people don't come to church. It's so good to see you here this morning. Well done. Keep an example, won't you, for the believers, for us. In speech, life, love, faith, purity. Speak for the benefit of others. Another thing, seek modesty in your appearance. Don't ask me to, I'm not going to start telling you exactly what this means because this is not easy to work out, but the Bible does talk about modesty. And I think it's hard to completely work out exactly what we do here. But let me just have a go, right? Keep your look, your look, the way you look, your persona under self-control. Like, think and be considerate. Think and be considerate. One of the things the Bible talks about is, particularly if you're wealthy, the way you look should not make poorer people feel uncomfortable and that they're less, lesser people. We should be thoughtful in the way we dress and present ourselves, our persona, the way we look, the way we are. That is loving. We can be inconsiderate or we can be considerate. So uh, 1 Corinthians 10 says this, don't cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, in other words, anyone, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So the way we present ourselves can be seeking the good of many, or it can be self-seeking. This is a more specific one in 1 Peter, and this is written to women, but I will, let me just read it to you. It says, your beauty, women, it's talking to women, should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewelry, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle, quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Okay, so... We can see there, whether we, we, we're not going to work out all the details here, but you can see that our, and I'm going to broaden this out here, men can also have elaborate hairstyles, can't they? And he's writing to a specific situation here where clearly there was an issue. Now, in our situation, men can have elaborate hairstyles. Men can, wait, can, can spend un, you know, inordinate amounts of money on their appearance and so on. So I'm going to say to all of us, men and women, Let's be considerate and loving in our use of money in buying clothes, in our persona and presentation. Can we be considerate to one another? Working out the details yourself, because I can't tell you the details of that. You need to pray and maybe ask advice. If you're a young person, ask your parents. Do you think the way I dress is appropriate for a Christian? Is it helpful? 
You could ask that, couldn't you, if you wanted to? Um, I won't go on too much more about that. Look after yourself would be another one, because if you don't get good sleep and if you're stressed out, you are going to be rude, aren't you? Hands up if you get more rude when you're tired. That's everyone, isn't it? Okay. It's kind of obvious. And you've just got to work on it. How can we get to bed? How can we look after ourselves? How can we reduce the stress? How can we organize our time better? How can we stop? Maybe we do waste time on things and stay up too late doing things that are not helpful for us. Maybe we could give more time to rest, sleep, meditation on scripture and good things that are going to help us in our um, not to be so stressy. I know what I'm like when I'm tired. I'm very stress- I can get very stressy. And that's going to lead to rudeness. And you're going to need to apologize more often. And you don't want to do that. So look after yourself. Um, pray for God's help finally. God's help. Can we, need, we need his help, don't we? Begin each day with prayer. Holy Spirit. Could Van come up, please? That'd be great. Pray each day for the Holy Spirit to help you to be less selfish and more considerate in your language, your persona, the way you present yourself, the way you look after yourself. Holy Spirit, help me. Because in the end, he can help you. He can change you. He, he can develop you into more like Jesus. And there's that wonderful phrase, isn't there, in, in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name. And we, do we realize that the way we present ourselves, the way we speak, is we're representing God, when we say hallowed be your name, what we're really saying is may I present your name well. When they see me, may people see the unselfish, self-giving love of Jesus. May people see Jesus in me. May my speech be considerate. May my speech be thoughtful. This doesn't mean to say you, you, everyone's going to love you for what you say, but you're going to, we're going to at least be considerate, aren't we, of what we do say. Will we be rude and self-serving? Or will we, like Jesus, seek the best for others? Let's worship together.